Hey, college kids, this is just a reminder to subscribe if you have not already done so and check out my blog, collegerealitycheck.com. Other than that, I hope you enjoy my interview with Ashley from the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Hey, college kids, welcome back to my podcast, Who Cares About College? In today's episode, I'll be interviewing Ashley. So if you could introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. My name is Ashley Chung, um, and I come from Washington, D.C., and right now I am studying at University of Wisconsin-Madison, where I'm majoring, I'm double majoring in conservation biology and community and environmental sociology, and I will be a sophomore this year. Oh, so, so you haven't even been on the campus, have you? Not you really. during COVID. Um, my freshman year, I was on campus and in the dorms, so oh. it was definitely an experience being at school during COVID. Um, and I didn't have really any in-person classes until second semester where I had one in-person class. And that was kind of rough. I would almost like fall asleep almost every single class just because like I wasn't used to it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, something about that room. But um, yeah, so freshman year for me was definitely not the regular experience people go through in their yeah. first semester of college, first two semesters of college. Um I don't want to go. I don't want to go into too much detail because we have to get through college app. But I'll definitely because you just said you were a sophomore. I was like, oh, okay, so you've really been on the campus. Okay, so let's start from the very, very beginning. What were your at least expectations going into high school? Did you like? Were you thinking of college immediately? Were you planning anything out going into high school? Like, I'm going to take these courses. I'm going to do these extracurriculars and such. So I actually grew up in Canada, um, on the west coast. And it's a little bit different there. I think people are more prone to staying local and college is also less expensive. So going into it, I didn't have super solid plans for what I wanted to do. I kind of just like took the regular classes that my school suggested. Um, But then it was weird because after my 10th grade year in Canada, I left and moved here to America in DC. And here it was completely different. Like the way the college system works is so much more intense and like competitive, I think. And so I was sort of thrown into it because like junior year is when you kind of, well, at my school, I went to a school that was like pretty rigorous about college prep. So they kind of were like getting us into like SAT prep and like thinking about what colleges and like thinking about what courses and like APs to do. And so they were very like, they were really um, like strict about having us think about what we want to do for college. And so junior year is sort of like when I had to start thinking about everything and it was kind of overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I guess going into it at the beginning, I really had no idea what I wanted to do or where I was going to go. I was like, oh, I'll probably just go to like the local, like, pr- like the local university in my city, UBC, and just like go there and like stay at home. 
but I wasn't really sure. And then I came to America and it was just like all of these options and all of these different tests. Standardized testing is one thing that like was just- You don't have those in Canada? Not really. Like we had, I think my year they got rid of the provincial exam. And so that sort of would be the equivalent to the SAT or ACT. But for Canadian schools, if you're in Canada, you don't need to submit any test results from that kind of thing. So it's completely that That is much more laid back than the American school system. Okay, so before we get into like the classes and such that you took one thing, can you tell us quickly your demographics, you know, like gender, race, socioeconomic status? Yeah, so I am... Chinese. My family is Chinese. My parents, my grandparents immigrated to Canada and America. So my parents and me and my brother grew up in Canada um, and then moved to America. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and I'm also, I also go by she, her pronouns. Um, I'm 19 years old and I don't know what else is there to explain. Are you like, would you say like you're middle class? Oh yeah. So I would say, yeah, I would say that I'm like middle class. Yeah. My parents are like in real estate and that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. So yeah, just yeah. like just a quick so we know like you as an applicant, I guess we could say how like the admissions officer would see. Okay, so let's get into school stuff. One thing I've always noted, like with people who move during high school that and I've had people who move from like different states in America. So they're quite similar with this uh, familiar with the system. But for you in Canada, moving from Canada to America, how was like the academics different? Was there a program you were enrolled in in Canada that you came to America and found out you couldn't do? How did how did they kind of like mess up your academic, um, I guess, journey, we could say in high school? So in high school, I attended three different high schools, which is kind of a lot. Um, I did my first. So in Canada, high school actually starts in eighth grade. So it's five years long. And I did two years at like my local regular high school. And then I, and then my 10th grade, I moved to a different school to do a special program called Trek, which was an outdoor education program. And so that was interesting because it, they really like, they, it was like school was a joke. We didn't like really learn anything except like outdoor skills. Mm-hmm. And, like our French class was like online and very like self-directed. So like you can imagine we had math like two times a week. Like it was very not academic. Focused. Was this in Canada that you were doing? This was Yes, in Canada. And um, instead we would like go on. It was cool. We did like four trips that were probably like two or three, two to six days long. It's like we spent a lot of time like outside just like surviving. Like I had to build an, an ice. I had to build, we hiked. Okay. We snowshoed up the side of a mountain and then built snow shelters that were like eight feet tall and slept in them for two nights and had to like cook outside and like sleep in sleeping bags in this like snow shelter when it was like below freezing and snowing. (laughs) Is this a normal Canadian experience? (laughs) 
no, <laughs> trust okay. me, they're much more normal Canadian high school experiences than what I went through. Um, but that 10th grade year was very much like outdoor focused and not school focused at all. Um, and so going into school in America was very different, um, especially because I moved to Washington, D.C., where the school system is really like messed up. It's interesting because they have the most like expensive private schools where like, you know, Obama's kids went. But then at the same time, there's really underfunded, really neglected public schools that where like it's mostly families of color that like have to send their kids there and they just have no other choice. And so there's a system called public charter, which is like a little bit better, but also not great. And then there is one high school in DC that is application based and not based on where you live, which is where my parents wanted me to go. And that was called school without walls. Um, it's, I think it's like a, one of the best like blue ribbon schools or something in the nation. And Can you explain so, what a blue ribbon school is. Oh, okay. I think a blue ribbon school is basically, they just have a, it's basically just ranking like the best school public schools in the nation, I think. And I don't know what the criteria is for it, but it's like a pretty, um, well-recognized, um, like status. Yeah. Pretty well-recognized status. Like I think school without walls is one of the top ones Mm -hmm. that on the list. So like they, they bragged about that a lot at my school. Um, but basically what it was is an application-based magnet school for humanities. So like, um, I had to do this big application process to get in. I had to do an interview. I had to do a test. I had to do more tests. And then I got in, um, which was crazy because like that kind of, like my parents basically said like, oh, if you don't get into this school, we have to like move to a different neighborhood where the school is like better and you can just go to that. So that like was very stressful because basically where we would live was being determined by if I got into this school or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did end up getting in uh, and it's a small school, 600 kids. They're very on top of it about like academics. Like everyone is super involved, did lots of sports and like clubs and led things. Um can you describe the system they have for like academics? Is it an AP system? Do they have an IB system or some other curriculum? Yeah. So it's an AP school mm-hmm. and everyone is forced to take AP World and AP Lang. And then you have to take at least two. I think you have to take at least two in junior year and in senior year. Um, and I think, Yeah. So they had, yeah, that's the system that we used. And then we would have, we did like SAT in school and like lots of SAT prep and stuff like that. Like we had, is it normal for schools to have an SAT prep course? Like, that you Honestly, take? I go to, I, I don't go to like a top school, like what you're describing a blue ribbon school, but I do go to a top public school and they have an SAT prep course for like yeah. the average school. I have I don't know. My school is also rigorous in academics. I don't know if it's the norm or not, but we do have an SAT prep course. Yeah. So we have SAT prep course that people took. Um, And our our counselors were very, very involved in our college application processes. And like we had, I think we had a list, like we had to list out, I don't know. 
everyone and it's also interesting because it's also the culture at my school was to be very like on top of your college applications is it the kind of school that sends uh, many kids to top schools is that like the expectation okay yeah pretty much Mm -hmm. um people at my school like got into schools like tufts brandeis like brown all that like cornell like people in yeah people it was there's a lot of imposter syndrome is what you remember from my school um yeah I guess right now we can go into like the classes that you actually did take and like just the you said you were kind of forced to take some APs so can you tell us how many APs you ended up taking by the time college apps came including senior year and then if you did take the AP test what did you kind of average on those sure um so I took so going into junior year I only took two and they were pretty easy I mean not okay AP Lang is like I would say like mid for APs and then I also took AP environmental no AP okay <laughs> I took AP Lang and then AP AP human geography which was like super easy and then I think I got a 4 it was I it was I got a four and a five. I don't remember which was which. Okay. And then in senior year I took AP Environmental Science and AP Lit. And I also got a four and a five, but I don't remember which. <laughs> um right. and that was probably like I did probably the minimum of what kids at my school should do. Like I took the easiest route. Mm-hmm. Everyone else probably did three or four or five and they took like actual APs that were hard (laughs) um so I think for my my like in comparison to the kids at my school I was pretty much like coasting and then yeah and that was like considered like the minimum I guess I don't know you got into college anyways it's fine it's fine you know those (laughs) days are behind you okay so now let's go in before we go into SAT ACT prep Quickly, do you remember what your unweighted and weighted GPA were that you submitted to colleges? I don't know what my unweighted was, but my weighted GPA was like a four point. It was like a, my unweighted GPA. Okay, don't know my unweighted. My weight. Wait, is weighted 4.2, like over four? or Over four is weighted, I believe. Unweighted is the one out of 4.0. Okay, so I don't know what my unweighted one was. I think it was 3.9, and then my weighted was 4.27 or something like that. Okay, so you were a pretty good student getting mainly straight A's. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Okay, now we go on to SAT, ACT prep. So which one did you take, and when did you start your preparations for it? So I did not take the ACT. I took the SAT. I did the PSAT in junior year. And then took it once spring of junior year. And then I took it again um, fall of senior year. And I'm pretty sure I only took it twice because I was just like, you know what? I'm done with this. I think standardized testing is a scam and I don't care about it. So I'm just going to do it twice and get what I get. And I did do a little bit of prep work for both. Not that much, though. Like, I didn't take a course. I just had, like, my Princeton review book, and that was it. And I would do problems, like, sporadically. And then I ended up getting – I so my first PSAT, I think I got, like, a 1260 or something. And then 
by the end, the last SAT I took was a 1360, I think. So like, yeah. Um, so was 1360 the last one? Was 1360 the super score? Uh, <laughs> I'm asking you to remember a lot of this happens in all the interviews. I think, I think it was the... I feel bad that I don't know this. I think it's the... Do you want me to like see if I can find it? That would be ideal if you could give us exact numbers. Okay, I'm going to try and log into my college board account. It's been a while. Okay. So let me, okay, I will re-explain this all to you. So I took my PSAT in 11th, like junior year. I got a 1260. My English score was 710. My math score was 550. Um, And then I did SAT at school spring of junior year. And that was a 1340. My English was 720 and my math was 620. And then my last SAT I took was fall of senior year and that was a 1360 my english score was a 700 my math score was a 660 okay okay so you were like close to 1400 with your super score in the end yeah i guess so okay 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 that works that works out i guess we can go on to the fun stuff which is extracurriculars before we get into like the actual college app so again, I want to know moving from because you only spent really two years of high school in America and extracurriculars. I mean, it's what we've been told for a long time. You need to develop them over time. You need to do them for like a few years. So moving from Canada to America, were any of your like extracurriculars messed up? Were you forced to stop and then start something completely different junior year? Yeah, pretty much like in in Canada. Tell us what you did in Canada and then later what you did in America. So in Canada, I feel like I kind of just did what I wanted to like I just did stuff for fun. Like I did softball in 10th grade and that was like pretty much the only thing I did just cuz my program took up a lot of time. Um and I also like did piano. Okay, so I played piano 8th and ninth grade and I did like music festivals and like theory and like exams and stuff like that so that was pretty intense and then 10th grade I did softball so like I was really low-key with my extracurriculars I would say and then junior year when I got there like everyone was so involved and I felt like I had to do more especially to like get into college like that was basically the main reason anyone did any extracurriculars was to like look good on your college resume and so I ended up joining the so in junior year I ended up joining the green team which is like the environmental club and then through that there was this one like random email that I got sent about this nonprofit and they were basically starting up these it's called teens dream um and they were starting up these hubs virtual hubs for kids it's for for kids all around like the world basically because they were virtual um and they were starting up a responsible consumption and production hub which was basically about like plastics and so i joined the plastics hub and it since it was a very new like nonprofit like group launch thing i was able to get in in the early stages and kind of like 
get a leadership position pretty quickly. And I ended up being like the teen ambassador of that hub. And so I did that with like two or three other teens and we had an adult mentor and we would meet every week for like an hour and just like work on different campaigns. Um, And that was a really cool, unique experience. And I think it was very valuable because that's not like a very conventional high school extracurricular to have. And I think that that nonprofit work was what like made my college application stand out. Um, And so what I did with that is like work on campaigns. So we tried to get like a reusable takeout to go system put into the new Amazon headquarters in Virginia, because that was like in the area that I lived. And so so after several years, actually, so junior year, after a year of being in that, we did a pitch to Amazon and like did a presentation to them in this like boardroom. We had to like wear fancy clothes and it was very intimidating. Um, And at first they said no. And then after that, some like leadership stuff got switched around and I became the ambassador for the zero hunger hub, but I was still involved with the plastics hub with teens dream and the plastics hub ended up getting a $25,000 grant to start the um, reusable to go box program. And so by the time I was in college, so like last year they had gotten an intern and they were kind of getting the beginning of that campaign, like actually coming to reality. So being a part of that at the very beginning was really cool. And I think like that was what made my college application like special, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, um, one thing, so for, uh, for us, I guess we could say $25,000 seems like a lot, but when you're like starting something or starting a new idea, $25,000 doesn't seem, is not like a lot. It goes out quickly. So is that yeah. the case for you guys or was 25,000 a lot, a lot? I'm not, I think it was like not really enough, but it was still a pretty good amount of money. And like just a bunch of high schoolers getting that done is pretty like, like you're proud of that, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it is. It is big. And when you were, and you, your majors are kind of related to environmentalism. Did you know that you wanted to go into that field? Not at first, but then as I did it more, I, I sort of was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. And also I think I was playing to my strengths because I was being strategic about it because like, obviously maybe I could have wanted to choose something else, but like, because I already had that opportunity in my resume, I was like, might as well go with this and sort of market myself as like, that sounds bad. But yeah, I basically marketed myself as like- That's what college apps is. You got to market yourself as something. No, exactly. And it's so much about like knowing what your strengths are and just like knowing how to like- make yourself look attractive to universities mm-hmm. and you have to be really fake about it. <laughs> and you opinion. said you were on a green team at your school. So what did you do there? Not much, honestly. I just went to like meetings in the mornings and like we would do like fun activities and then like host like a clothing swap and like sometimes go and we did, I think we visited like a farm. Honestly, we really didn't do that much. And it was for, very minimal. Yeah, for college <laughs> app purposes. Yeah, exactly. You kind of just like make shit up and then, oh, sorry. You just make stuff up and then um, you you just make things up and like really, you know, polish and scrub until it looks great. But that was, okay, sorry. I just realized I did not go into senior year. So that was like the two, okay. Junior year, I did the green team and then the nonprofit Teens Dream with the Plastics Hub. And I also did Ultimate Frisbee 
in the spring. And then the following year, senior year, I did all of those things, but I added SGA, so Student Government Association um, and National Honor Society. And in SGA, because there was not that many like leadership positions in there already, I sort of like stepped up and helped coordinate like school dances and like plan themes and make posters and things like that. Um, so I did that. I'm trying to think. Oh, and I also did yearbook photography both years. And the second year, I was the head yearbook photographer. So that was also a big thing of like, you know, being a leader. Mm-hmm. And for college helped. app purposes, because you're like what you told me, like all the details, you don't have that space to write on your college application. You really have to like cut down to like, I guess we could say the most significant parts. So for, for example, the nonprofit that you were in for green team and for like your other extracurriculars, what did you write for your college app? Like, what did you, what did the colleges see when they read your application? Um, the things that I emphasized most were the nonprofit work that I did and the yearbook photography. And the reason I chose those was because yearbook photography. Okay. First of all, both of them, I was in leadership positions. And like when you're in leadership, that stands out a lot. And then also I chose to do the nonprofit because that, like I said before, that was like a more unique extracurricular to have on my resume. And then for yearbook photography, that was sort of to show like well-roundedness, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and like showing that I wasn't just like good at one thing, but like did multiple. Um, but yeah. And then I guess the SGA thing was also like bigger too, because there were specific actions that I could like write down that I did. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. So I think we can go now to the actual college app, the essays, the recommendation letters. So let's start with the essays. So did you apply Common App to most schools? Yes, I did apply Common App. Um, so what schools did you choose? What schools did you end up applying to in the end? Um, I don't even remember. Okay. I think I I actually have a list here. Let me pull it up. I had a spreadsheet. So I applied to University of Wisconsin-Madison, University of British Columbia, which was like in Vancouver, UCSD, University of Rochester, Fordham University, CU Boulder, and Temple University. Um, And that was a mix of, I'm trying to think. So honestly, I like didn't really have reach schools, which is probably not like a great idea. But I would say my like target schools were UW, University of Wisconsin-Madison, where I'm at, um, University of British Columbia, UCSD, and Rochester. And then my safeties were Fornum, CU Boulder, and Temple. Um, and so with that, I applied most, half of them t- through Common App, three through the website, and one through Coalition. I don't know really what that one was. What's the difference between Common App and Coalition? It's basically similar, right? They have one big essay and then you submit supplementals to colleges? Yeah, that's right. Um, And so 
a little thing about the UW. So I actually applied to UW-Madison through my scholarship program, which is called the Posse Foundation. Um, have you heard of it? Nope. Can you explain to us what it is, how you got into it? Posse, 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 posse. That is the whole reason I'm in Wisconsin. Um, And basically the story goes, one day I was at my church that I go to every Sunday in DC. And this guy, his son, who is like 30, did this program called Posse, which is a full tuition, not full ride, full tuition scholarship program. And he basically offered to like nominate me for it. Um, So I got nominated for the Posse scholarship in August of my senior year. Um, And basically what Posse is, is, okay, Posse markets itself as a academic and leadership-based scholarship. And what they do is they're based in major cities all around the country. So, you know, D.C., Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, Atlanta. And they hold rounds of interviews for high school seniors, three rounds, and they match students from these cities to go to different colleges around the U.S. on full tuition scholarships. And so D.C., for example, partners with Bucknell, Lafayette, Sewanee, University of the South, Rochester, UW-Madison, and Lewis and Clark, I believe, is the new one. Um, And so depending on the city, there are different colleges for every city. And from each city, they have a posse, like a group of 10 people go to every school. And so as a high school senior, I went through three very intense, probably emotionally scarring interviews. Tell us about the interviews. What, what did they ask you? And it was different every round. So the first round was a huge group interview. There was like 200 people in this giant room. And we basically did like team building activities and like had discussions about things. It wasn't really interview questions. And there were just like observers there. And they also kind of just told us about what posse is. And then once you did that, they tell you if you get in the second round, which is one-on-one with like a posse staff member. And they basically asked, they asked me to rank which school, like in order of the five five or six schools, which one I wanted to go to and why in like a hundred words or something. And then they also asked about like one or two extracurriculars that were, were like ex, like special to me or like that I wanted to talk more about. And they also asked me like, oh, what's like a special skill you have or what's a time you like solved a problem, like those kinds of things. And that was probably like a 20 minute interview. And then once I got past that, they actually told me what school they wanted me to go to. So I didn't get to choose. I put Wisconsin as my second choice. I put Rochester first and they matched me with Wisconsin. And they basically said, you are going to apply early decision to University of Wisconsin-Madison, but you don't know if you're getting in because you still have to do the third round interview. And so you Wait, apply- so I have a question. Does the interview get you into the school? Yes. So so you do first round interview, second round interview, you get matched with the school. Third round interview is 
you know you're a finalist for the specific school. So by the third round interview, I was a finalist for University of Wisconsin-Madison. And when I walked into the room, there were 30 finalists in that room for University of Wisconsin-Madison. And we all kind of did more like team building activities. We did like a skit and there was like some small group rotational activities. And there was also like these big shot people from the university like there to choose us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once we got through that, they picked 10 of us out of the 30 to go to UW-Madison for a full tuition scholarship. And so after that is when I knew. And that was in December. So, Wait, so they- you didn't have to write like a, I don't know, 650-word essay, write all the supplementals? It was just the interview process? No, sorry. I forgot mm-hmm. about that part. So during the interview process, after the second round interview, when they tell you your finals for school, you apply, I, you apply to the school directly through Common App or whatever website they tell you to. And then in addition to that, there's the, the interview, the third round interview. Um, so the inter- interview has like a huge weight on whether you get into the school. The interview is what determines if you get to the school or not. Like your application at that point is basically just like a formality almost. Like obviously they still look at it and read it, but what decides is the interview. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Posse is interesting because you can, it's most common to get nominated by a alumni from Posse or your school counselor. You can ask your school counselor to nominate you. Or you can also self-nominate, which I haven't really heard of anyone doing that, but you can do that. So, like, anyone who wants posse can apply to it. Um, And what are the requirements? Is there, like, certain criteria you need to meet to be eligible for posse? I don't believe there are, but what they say is that they want kids who are – they say, like, we want to accept people who are overlooked by the traditional college application system or something like that. Um, those are very broad terms. Yeah. So here, let me see if I can pull up the website and like tell you the exact language they use. But my thing with Posse is that basically what it is, is a minority scholarship program. And they don't really say that. And like there, it's not actually that because they have like people who are white passing and people who are white in the program. But a lot of it is just the purpose. Okay. And me saying this is like very like. I feel like they don't really want us to, like, say this or, like, they don't want their – like, I feel like I could get in trouble for saying this is basically what I'm saying. But, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know. Their whole – like, the reason I got POS – like, if – okay. If I was the exact same applicant to POSSE but I was white, I would not have gotten this scholarship. Like, they specifically choose people – of color for each posse like okay in my posse okay i'm trying to think of like this is so complicated and like a lot we can say it's targeted towards minorities it is it is targeted towards minor like they don't okay posse does not explicitly say they target minorities but they do and in my posse there is like two people who are white passing but have some other race like in their heritage that is not white. And everyone else is either black or Latino or something or Asian, you know? 
And every posse sort of, it's almost like they have a quota for every posse of how many people of color of every race they want. Like my posse, for example, has, I think like five black people, two white passing, but like Latino Pacific Islander people, one Asian person and like two Latino people or something. I don't know. Sorry. My numbers are really off, but like every posse is sort of balanced in that way. Like mm-hmm. there's no posse that's all white kids or all black kids or, you know, like it's very diverse and they specifically have that. No, we can't. I understand. I understand. I'm but sure the audience understands as well. Right. Um, But they don't really, they really should like, they don't talk about race really at all in their application process. But it's evident that they target towards minority races? Exactly. Okay, okay. Which I think is sort of messed up, but it's a full tuition scholarship. So what are you going to do? So are you, you're, are you good now because of the full yeah. tuition scholarship? Are yeah. you going to be graduating debt-free? Mm, no, because I still took out federal loans to pay for my housing. Ah, uh, okay, okay. But still, tuition covered is very, yes, very nice. Covered. So I am... Very thankful for Posse, and I am in no way trying to, like, say that Posse is bad. I'm just saying they're misleading sometimes. All right, all right. And you said that you applied to, you gave us, like, a bunch of other schools that you applied to, but you applied to Madison on early early decision. So how did you apply to the other schools? Posse, I had applied to all of those schools, or most of those schools, before I had known that I was a finalist for posse. So they made me withdraw my applications from all the other schools. So you don't even know whether you got into those schools or not? I don't at all. Okay. That's a very interesting process. I never heard, but you are in Wisconsin, Madison. Now let's get on to your college experience. So can you tell us about University of Wisconsin as a school? Like what is its population? Where is it located? Is it located in like a rural, suburban, or like a city area? And what is like University of Wisconsin known for? Do they have any special programs or some sort of field that they're really strong in? Yeah. So University of Wisconsin-Madison is a public state school. It is, which means it's very large. So I think it's about 35,000 people. Um, and it's located in Madison, Wisconsin, the capital of Wisconsin, um, which is the it's pretty much a college town but it's also the state capital so it's kind of weird but it's pretty small and the surrounding area is very rural um and madison is considered like the liberal town the most liberal place you can get in wisconsin um so that's also an interesting fact um what else did you want me to say is there much to do around campus like when you're not in class are there places you can go places to eat things to do yeah, so University of Wisconsin-Madison is located on Lake Mendota, so people like to swim there when it's warm or just, like, walk by the lake, go to the Union, get, like, food. There's lots of food places to visit. There's also the state capitol, which is kind of just, like, a beautiful place to, like, sit on the grass, um, and that also provides a lot of good, I guess, like, legal opportunities um, for students interested in that. Um, also, UW-Madison is known probably for its engineering program, which is, I think, one of the best in like the public schools. It's also a big 10 school. I don't really know what that means, but um, yeah, you, Oh, UW Madison is also known really, really well for its football team. 
people are huge on football here. All right. So engineering and football is like what Wisconsin is known for? Yeah, I would say so. Um, and it's very, very white. Like so, how much? Do you know percentage wise? Okay, UW-Madison is, oh, oh, interesting. Okay, so it's actually 65% white, 7% Asian, 5% Hispanic or Latino, 3% two or more races, 2% Black or African American, and 0.2% American Indian or Alaska Native, and 0.07% Native Hawaiian or other Pacific Islander. Um, but does this feel like it's predominantly white to you? I mean, it is. Even Maybe though they that, that say it's only 65%, that feels a lot more than it is. Like, there's a lot of people, like, it's a state school, so basically everyone who goes here is from Wisconsin, and many people from Wisconsin are white. Um, and a lot of them come, not all of them, but a lot of them come from families with money. And I would say that, like, the general student population is pretty, like, pretty easygoing and, like, party uw madison i think is known as the number one party school in the nation so are you kidding me really you can imagine what that's like people go hard here because it's rural wisconsin like there's literally nothing else to do but for people but drink so you know right, um, can you tell us about like the um i guess you kind of went into it but can you tell us about the school culture is it you know very rigorous are people constantly like I wouldn't say at each other's throats, but is it really competitive, competitive academically or are the students much more like chill and laid back? Okay. So I would say everyone in Wisconsin, UW-Madison is known to be like the best school. And so I would say everyone who goes to my school is smart, but I wouldn't say everyone is the most educated. I feel like people can be sort of ignorant and like not super, they don't really, I feel like a lot of people at my school, like don't necessarily care about like big issues and like they're not gonna be i feel like i'm just being so mean okay i need to like think about how i want to phrase this sorry take your time i think people at my school the culture is very much here to have fun it's very work hard play hard i would say um so people like do their work they stay on top of what they need to stay on top of um, there's a lot of research at my school actually, which is really cool. Like if you're interested in something, they'll have research for it because it's such a big school. Um, but there's definitely a culture. It party culture at my school is definitely very, very big. Like, I don't think I've met anyone who doesn't party. Okay. Have you party? A little bit. Yeah. It's sort of, I think a lot of people go into college expecting not to do anything and then they go to college and they have a lot of fun interesting interesting there and one thing that i want to ask people now who are in college now is how your school handled i guess we could say communication with covid which i guess reveals a lot about the true colors of a school so how did the university of wisconsin madison handle just everything related to COVID, how were they in communicating with students? How were they in giving students who were, you know, maybe they were lacking like food or housing. How were they helping those students during COVID? My school was a hot mess during COVID. So originally they started on a bi-weekly testing schedule. So me and my roommate would 
take turns every week going to get tested. And then a few weeks in, they switched to weekly. Um, and that went on for a while. And then I think in September, I believe. Oh, I do not remember the timeline. Okay, basically first semester, got there August, few weeks it was fine, testing schedule changed to weekly, and then people started getting really sick, and every, it was, since my school's a party school, you know, people didn't care about COVID and would just go out and party mm-hmm. and not wear masks and see a bunch of people, and so we ended up having to quarantine, we basically had a lockdown for the second half of first semester and they ended up sending us home in November. Okay. I'm sorry. This is like, I have a terrible memory. So yeah, basically halfway through the semester, we were in lockdown. We weren't really supposed to leave our rooms unless we were supposed to get food or like go to class. And so that was really lonely and sad. Um, And a lot of people probably there, everyone knew someone who got COVID there was a probably a point where like 10% of the student population had it um, and they did not do a good job of providing good quarantine space. Like there were quarantine dorms and they ended up running out of space in the quarantine dorms and having to overflow people to hotels. I had one friend who was in a hotel and she said she was in there for three weeks by herself, not seeing a soul. They wouldn't let her have medicine. She could hear people next to her crying and screaming for like days. Um, So a very traumatizing experience, and I don't know how people survived that. Um, But then other people had really fun quarantine experiences and would like, okay, that's a lie, not fun. But they would have roommates in quarantine. How how does that work out? In the dorms, and they would all just like hang out and be sick together. Um, And some people were being put out of quarantine before they were even better and this was all the school's decision like to put people together put people in hotels yep so they had people getting out before they were better and still had symptoms they had people who were staying in quarantine even though they weren't sick it was a whole mess and they did not have enough space for everyone and people complained people wrote to the university complaining but they didn't really Nothing really happened. And, you know, by the end of second semester, like, everyone just went home. And some people were sick, so they couldn't go home. They had to quarantine or they were forced to, like, leave and quarantine at home. It was a mess. And so second semester, they kind of fixed it. And they basically had this app where it was called Saver Badgers. And it was connected to your testing information. So we were tested every three days every 72 hours. Um, And if you didn't test, if you didn't stay on that schedule, your badge would turn yellow and you couldn't get into any buildings because they had people sitting at the entrances of every building checking your badger badge. And so it was either green, yellow, or red. Green meant you were fine. Yellow meant you hadn't tested. Red meant you had to, you were, no, red meant you tested positive. So you should be in quarantine. Um, and so they made that really strict. And by that, that sounds point, like a good system. It was better. It was a lot better. Um, and less people got sick. People still got sick. There were still people in the 
quarantine dorms, but it was much better than second semester or first semester. Um, but they must have spent like millions of dollars on testing because every single student was getting tested two or three times a week without fail. And if you didn't, if you missed a test, obviously you couldn't get into buildings, but they would also like email you and be like, why did you miss this test? And they would like have a meeting with you about it. Mm-hmm. And there would be like consequences. So well, they definitely so, upped their game second yeah. semester. And that's what they had to do because like people at my school were just really irresponsible and like didn't care about COVID and just party. Is this what you mean by ignorance? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> But are they doing a better job now that you're back as a sophomore? Well, I've only been back as of yesterday, so we'll mm-hmm. see how it is. But I think our vaccinations are pretty high up. I would let's see. And my school right now isn't requiring vaccinations, just encouraging it. Um, oh, there's a lot of people vaccinated. Okay. As of today, there are almost 70,000 student and employees with at least one dose given. So. That's quite a bit. Didn't you say the student population was about 35,000? Yeah. So I, but that's also including staff and employees. I don't know. I would. Okay. My estimation is probably like 80 or 90% vaccinated. All right. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Alrighty, let's talk about a few more things because you're still like kind of new into college and your one actual year of college was COVID. So it doesn't really count as like a real college experience. So let's just talk about a few more things here. So number one is dorms. Tell us about the dorm situation in University of Wisconsin. Sure. So UW-Madison has... A lot of, I think they have like 13 or something different dorms. And there's basically, they're basically split into two neighborhoods. Lakeshore, which is quieter um, near the lake. And then, um, oh my, why am I blinking on what the, I live in this neighborhood. I know, I could tell by the noise. Sorry. Okay. So it's split into Lakeshore, which is quiet and Southeast, which is like downtown. Um, And traditionally, I would just explain Lakeshore as like, much more peaceful, much more quiet, more connected to nature, which is where I lived first semester. Um, But Southeast is definitely way more social and you can make a lot more friends and do a lot more things because it's also close to State Street, which is where all the food and the shops are. Mm -hmm. Um, And also near like the frats and stuff, which people really like to go-to for parties. That sounded so awkward. Why did I say that? Okay. Southeast is basically just near the shops and near the frats and everything interesting. Lakeshore is just near the nature and like the peaceful, quiet stuff. So I would say the people who go to Lakeshore are quieter, more nerdy and introverted and people in Southeast are more social and less school focused. Do you get to choose where you live? So for dorms, after you get in, you... Either you can like request a specific roommate on the portal or you can just go random and you rank all of the dorms. So you kind of have to do a lot of research on what dorm you want to live in and they'll pick they'll they'll pick for you. So you just get assigned. I got assigned my first choice, but that was because I requested to be in a learning community. So every dorm has like sort of a little section that's like one is like maybe like the greenhouse. One is like the studio. One is like the 
the multicultural learning center. One is the languages school, you know? Mm-hmm. So if you request to be in one of those, you'll probably most likely get your dorm. Um, and that also can help you like make friends who have similar interests to you. But I lived in Lakeshore. That was my first choice. It was called Liz Waters. It was right by the lake. It had a dining hall underneath it. And I was in the women in STEM and engineering learning community. Um, and so through that, there were, they had some like enriched activities and like group seminar things. Um, and the, I was like decently happy with my decision. The only thing I regretted was being so far from like the social scene on campus like I basically went down to Southeast every single day to like see a friend or like go to go to like the big dining hall down there, like vis like pick up something. You know, there was a lot of times where I was in Southeast. So like I personally probably would have gone with like I could have gone with a Southeast storm. Um, but I was happy like having my little view of the lake, which was pretty and quiet dorm. Um but yeah, I do know some people got like their last choice. Like my friend who I'm living with now, she got her last choice. And But even with that, like she didn't regret it. Even though she didn't want to go there, she went and she really liked it. Mm-hmm. And so, how was it making friends during COVID? It was really hard, I have to say. Like if you don't put your – I would say like really put yourself out there um, in the first few weeks of college because otherwise you kind of miss that like – initial time where everyone's figuring out who their friends are um and then everyone sort of like made a group already and it's sort of hard to like find your group of people especially during COVID because most people everyone I know basically made friends through their dorm um and then like obviously you can like make friends through classes but virtually that's not really that possible so my, do- my all my friends after the end of my freshman year were primarily from my dorm or from my scholarship program posse because mm-hmm. you know those were really the only people you knew right all right all right it was hard but it was doable you just you just have to really like take initiative and like put yourself out there and like be brave and like introduce yourself to people yeah we're coming to an end here there's one last thing i do with everybody so that is advice. Number one, what advice would you give for high school students who are, and this can be literally anything. You can just give general life advice, something specific to college apps. And you haven't really gone through much of college and the part that you have gone through was not normal. But if you would like, you could give some college advice to perhaps those coming into college now. So sure. those two groups of people. So for high school students, I guess right now you're kind of starting your applications up. I would say do everything early and do a lot of self-reflection. Like I journal a lot. I write, sometimes I will like write out my feelings or write like reflections or contemplate different things. And just like learning how to write is super, super important for your college apps. Um, And knowing also who you are as a person and how to play up your strengths and know what is attractive about you to other to colleges and to other people knowing that and not just knowing that but knowing how to communicate it effectively is super important so like get as much help as you can from other people because like honestly college college admissions people aren't gonna know if you like got 
your essay edited over a thousand times. They're not going to know that like you got help. So just get as much help as you can. Ask your friends, ask your teachers. Um, oh, and definitely suck up to your teachers. Form those relationships with your teachers. Be nice to them. Treat them like people, not just like things who give you assignments and grade you. Like that's super important, knowing how to interact with your teachers well so that obviously they feel like valued, but also so that you can get good college application letters of recommendation. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, those are the main things I would just say like, know yourself, know how to communicate what's good about yourself and suck up to your teachers. <laughs> be friends uh, with your, be friends with your teachers, not suck up to them. All right. And do you have any advice for college students? You don't have to, cause you haven't gone through much of college, but if there is something you want to share. Yes. Incoming college freshmen, I would definitely say, I already said this before, but really put yourself out there, take initiative. I think that's one thing I didn't do in college in, in, in high school, I didn't always do the work to, like, make opportunities for myself. I sort of just took them as they came and did what I was supposed to do. But in college, you really have to advocate for yourself and be confident and know what you want to do and go and do it. So, like, you, you're the one in control of your life at this point, and you have to go and make friends if you want friends. It's always a decision that has to be made. It's always you actively doing something not just doing what you're supposed to do and like people like and that goes the same with like school too not just friends like you have to go to your professor if you need help like they're not going to baby you through everything and hold your hand and tell you when your homework assignment is due like you have to keep on top of all of that yourself um and so just learning how to be self-sufficient is very important and just not being afraid to try something new or ask for help i would say all right. That is very good advice. Thank you very much for coming, Ashley. And I hope you have a good rest of your day. Thank you. Good luck cutting down all of my back and forths. Um, but yeah, it was fun. I'm glad we got to talk. <laughs> yep. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. That's it for my interview with Ashley. I hope you enjoyed. Make sure to check out my blog, collegerealitycheck.com. Next week, I'll be releasing an interview with a sophomore from Drexel University. So subscribe so you do not miss that. Other than that, I hope to see you then.